بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week in our lesson on the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam we spoke about the gathering of the leaders of the kuffar of the Quraysh to discuss how to stop the Prophet Muhammad from leaving Mecca and migrating to Medina. Almost all of the Muslims by that time had migrated from Mecca to Medina. And only the Prophet and his household and Abu Bakr and his household were left, except for a few of the Muslims who were imprisoned by their own families who were unable to leave to go to Al-Madinah. So the household of the Prophet ﷺ and the household of Abu Bakr they still had not made the hijrah to Al-Madinah yet. But most of the Muslims had left. So the kuffar of the Quraysh now they were very worried. They were very worried that if the Prophet ﷺ, if he is able to make that migration to Medina and if he becomes the leader of the people in Medina, they will be able to organize themselves and then they will be a serious threat to the Quraysh. Perhaps if the Prophet wasallam, if he goes to Medina and he is the leader of the people there and they become strong and they become united, then with this strength, eventually they can come back to Mecca and they can take away the rule of the kuffar of the Quraysh. So this was their main worry. And their plan to stop that was to prevent somehow the Prophet Muhammad from actually leaving Mecca and going to Medina. So finally they agreed on an evil plan. And we spoke about that plan last week. They agreed to assassinate the Prophet So they would send one young man from each clan of the Quraysh and the Quraysh it was a big tribe but it was composed of different clans within the tribe so their plan was to get one young man from each clan to strike the Prophet and kill him so that the clan of the Prophet the family of Abdul Muttalib they would not be able to take revenge on all of those clans that had united together to kill the Prophet So this was their plan. They weren't going to just send one man to kill the Prophet because that would cause big fighting within the Quraysh, one clan against the other clan. So their plan was to get one young man from each clan and each of them would strike the Prophet So how can the clan of the Prophet Bani Abdul Muttalib, how can that one clan fight against all of those other clans? So this was their plan. So they actually sent young men from each one of these clans to go to the house of the Prophet and to surround his house so that when he comes out of the house, they would strike him and they would actually assassinate him. So this was their evil plan. This was their evil plot. So when the day came, when the day came that the Prophet was preparing himself to leave Mecca and make the hijrah to Al-Madinah. The permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had not come to him yet. 
So he was waiting for that permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to come for him to actually go and make the hijrah. So he spent the day actually organizing the return of the different amanat that were left with him. He was organizing the return of those possessions to their people. And as we have mentioned before, the Prophet ﷺ, he was known as As-Sadiq Al-Ameen, the truthful one and the trustworthy one. And those days, there were no banks or safety deposit boxes where you could keep your valuable possessions. So when people needed to keep their possessions safe, like if they were traveling or if they needed to keep their valuables in a place where they would be secure, the way they used to do it is that they would leave it with a person who was known to be trustworthy. So there was no one who was more trustworthy than Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So even his enemies, the kuffar of the Quraysh, when they needed their valuables to be kept secure, they would go to him and tell him to keep their items secure. Even though they were his enemies and they would say bad things about him and they would try to dissuade the people from following him and they would make up lies about him. When it came time for their valuables to be kept safe, they would go to him. They would go to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and leave their valuables with him. Look at this. This is an evidence against themselves. So he was known, the Prophet was known even by his enemies to be the most trustworthy of people. So he knew, the Prophet knew that if he's leaving Makkah and he's going to Al-Madina, he needs to make sure that these possessions that are in his trust must be returned to their rightful owners. So he spent the day informing and instructing his young cousin, Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu. He spent that day giving him detailed instructions on which item belongs to which person so that Ali radiallahu anh could fulfill this responsibility of returning the valuable items to their owners. So while he was busy doing this, these young kuffar of the Quraysh who were selected by the leaders, they surrounded the house of the Prophet ﷺ waiting for him so that when he comes out, they could attack him and they could kill him. So this was their plan. Now, these young men of the Quraysh, these young kuffar of the Quraysh, they were not patient people. They couldn't just hang around the house and wait for the Prophet ﷺ to come out. They were very impatient. They wanted to get it done with. So they actually climbed the gates in order to ambush the house of the Prophet ﷺ. They were ready to climb the gates and actually break into the house of the Prophet ﷺ. So when they actually did that, when they climbed the gates and they were about to break into the house, a woman saw them. A woman, she saw these young men coming over the gate. And she screamed. And when she screamed, they backed off. And they thought to themselves, if it is thought that we, young men of the Quraysh, that we are trying to attack the women, you know, if we're trying, they might think that we're trying to break in the house to do something dishonorable to the women. And if this news gets out, and if the people start to get this type of idea about us, then it will destroy our reputation and the reputation of the tribe. Our honor will be gone forever. If it is thought by the people that we were trying to break into someone's house to dishonor the women of that household. So they said, no, this would be a humiliation for us and for our tribe that would never end. 
this humiliation will last forever. So we can't do this. So they backed off and they waited at the door. And they thought, okay, we'll just wait at the door. We will not break in the house. We'll just wait at the door until he comes out. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, sooner or later, eventually he has to come out. And once he comes out, then we will do what we have been instructed to do. So this was their plan. So they waited to do this. Now the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, in addition to instructing his cousin Ali radiallahu an about how to return the amanat, how to return the possessions to their owners. He also gave him an instruction to lie down in the bed of the Prophet when the Prophet leaves the house. He said, Ya Ali, when the time comes and I have to leave, you sleep in my bed. You sleep in my bed and you cover yourself up. And Ali radiallahu an, he was a young man in his early 20s and he readily accepted this instruction from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam knowing full well that there are people who want to actually come and kill the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and if they come in if they break in the house and they see a man in the bed of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam all covered up they may attack him without even looking to see who it is and Ali radiallahu an he very well knew that this is what may happen yet still it didn't bother him. He was ready to ransom his life for the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was ready to do it. A young man. Look at this courage. Look at this bravery. And look at this love for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. These people, they loved Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam more than they loved their own selves. And they proved it time after time after time again. So Ali radiallahu anhu ready to ransom his life, ransom his own self for the safety of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He readily accepted this instruction by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he was proud to have this opportunity. So these young evil kuffar of the Quraysh who were selected for this evil mission, they waited and waited and waited for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to leave the house. Then the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa to actually leave and to make the hijrah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed his permission that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa can now leave and he can make the hijrah. So he left his house and Ali radiallahu an took his place in his bed and he covered himself up as was instructed by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he leaves his house openly not trying to hide and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he blinded these young kuffar who were waiting for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam to come out he blinded them to see the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam they could see but they were unable to see Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam leave so he left right in front of them and they didn't even realize and as a humiliation for these kuffar of the Quraysh for these young men who took it upon themselves to fulfill the evil plan of the Quraysh as a humiliation for them. The Prophet ﷺ not only walked right past them, but he took dirt and he placed it on the heads of those people. 
as a humiliation for them. And he left. And these kuffar, they didn't realize that they had dirt on their heads because it was dark, it was night, so they couldn't see. So they had this dust, this dirt on their heads and the Prophet ﷺ, he left without being noticed by these people. So he leaves his house, Ali radiallahu anhu takes his place in his bed and the Prophet ﷺ, he goes to the house of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. Now this is the middle of the night. The Prophet ﷺ, he reaches the house of Abu Bakr He knocks on the door. Abu Bakr is in the house with his two daughters, Aisha anha and Asma anha. The door knocks, it's the middle of the night. Aisha anha. she wakes up and she finds this strange. Who is knocking at our door in the middle of the night? This is not a time that people come to visit. So she knew something was up. She knew that this was something out of the ordinary. She gets up and she sees her sister, Asma radiallahu anha. She is also awake. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anha, he answers the door. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa comes in and he tells Abu Bakr, Akhrij man indak fil bayt. Whoever is with you in the house, if there's anyone with you, tell them to leave. And Abu Bakr radiallahu he says to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Ya Rasulullah, there's no one in the house except my two daughters. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa says, Ya Abu Bakr, Udhina li bil hijrah. Ya Abu Bakr, I have been given permission to make the hijrah. I have finally been given permission to leave Mecca and make the hijrah to Al-Madina. And when Abu Bakr radiallahu when he hears this, he says to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulullah, as-suhbah. Oh Rasulullah, will I be your companion in this trip, in this journey? And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam replies to his friend. He replies to Abu Bakr radiallahu Ya Abu Bakr, as-suhbah. Oh Abu Bakr, yes, you are going to be my companion in this journey. Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, I never knew that a person could cry out of happiness until I saw that day, until I saw my father on that day. She saw people cry out of pain. She saw people cry out of sadness. But she said, I never knew that people can cry out of extreme happiness until I saw my father on that day. When Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam told Abu Bakr radiallahu an that you will be my companion in this journey, in this migration, Abu Bakr radiallahu an he cried out of extreme happiness. He cried that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had selected him to accompany the leader of mankind, the best man who had ever walked on the face of this earth. Abu Bakr radiallahu an was being honored to accompany him on this journey from Mecca to Al-Madina. So he felt that honor and he felt so happy that he cried out of his happiness. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Abu Bakr radiallahu an, they set out to begin this amazing journey. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he had already prepared two camels for this trip. He had already prepared two camels, one for himself and one for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So they move, they leave in the darkness of the night. And the planning and the strategy 
that they used. It's something that's amazing. Medina is to the north of Mecca. But to throw the kuffar of the Quraysh off of their tracks, they didn't start by going north. They went south. They went the opposite direction towards the cave of Thor, Ghar Thor, which is in the south part of Mecca, in the opposite direction of Medina. So to throw the kuffar off of their tracks, this is what they did. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he had a servant named Amir ibn Fuhaira radiallahu anhu. And this servant of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he used to tend the sheep for Abu Bakr. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu told him to follow them. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Abu Bakr on the camels and Ibn Fuhaira following them with the sheep towards Ghar Thawr, towards the cave of Thawr. And the reason why he told Ibn Fuhaira to follow them was to wipe out the tracks of the camels. If the kuffar of the Quraysh started searching and they see these camel tracks, two camels going towards the direction, they'll, able to they'll be able to follow it and find where they were hiding. So out of their strategic planning, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he told Ibn Fuhaira to follow them with all the sheep so that these sheep walking would obliterate the tracks of the camels. So nobody would realize what was happening. Very intelligent strategic planning. So the Prophet and Abu Bakr they head south towards the cave of Thor which is in the mountain called Jabal Thor and there's a cave towards the top of that mountain which is the cave where the Prophet and Abu Bakr where they hid in. So they went to the mountain and they climbed it and they went into the cave. Before entering the cave Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu told Ibn Fuhaira, he said, okay, now you go back. You go back and inform my family where we are. So Ibn Fuhaira, he went back to the house of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu to inform the family where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and where Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, where they were. So before they enter the cave, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu tells Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Ya Rasulullah, let me go in first. He wanted to make sure that there's nothing dangerous in the cave, no scorpions, no snakes, nothing. And he wanted to go in and if anything was there dangerous, he would rather have it bite him than Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Again, these people are ready to sacrifice anything for the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Ali radiallahu ransoming, ransoming himself and sleeping in the bed of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now Abu Bakr radiallahu an insisting that he enter the cave first to make sure that there is nothing dangerous, that there is nothing that will hurt the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Abu Bakr radiallahu an he goes into the cave. When he deems that it's safe, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam also enters the cave. So they spent that night in the cave of Thawr. And when the morning came, those young kuffar of the Quraysh are still waiting at the house of the Prophet ﷺ, waiting for him to come out. The whole night passed. Now morning is here. And he still hasn't come out according to what they have seen. Because they didn't see him come out. So they think he's still inside. What happened? When the morning comes and the light comes, the sun rises, they see each other, they look at each other and they notice that they have this dirt on their heads. They're looking at each other and say, hey, you have dirt on your head. Hey, so do you. So they notice that all of them have this dust and dirt on their heads. So they realize, okay, something happened. We don't realize what happened. Now they get scared. 
So they decide to actually break into the house of the Prophet ﷺ to see what has happened. They break into the house of the Prophet ﷺ. Ali ibn Abi Talib he's still there in the bed of the Prophet ﷺ all covered up. They're ready to actually go and strike him but before they do it, they pull off the blanket and they see that this is not Muhammad ﷺ. They see that this is Ali ibn Abi Talib So they don't hit him. Rather, they pull him out and they say, Where is Muhammad? Where is Muhammad? And Ali radiallahu anhu says, I don't know. They couldn't get a word out of him. Even though Ali radiallahu anhu knew that they could strike him, they could kill him at any time, he was not going to give up the location of the Prophet wasallam, and he was not going to say anything that could help them in their search. So now the kuffar of the Quraysh, they're very worried. Their plan has failed. The Prophet ﷺ, his whereabouts are unknown. So they panic and they announce this huge reward. They say, for anyone who finds Muhammad dead or alive, dead or alive, he will have a reward of 100 camels. Now imagine 100 camels, even in our day today, 100 camels is worth an unimaginable amount of money. It's worth a huge amount of money in our time today. Imagine how much 100 camels was worth back in that day. So it's a huge prize that they offer for anyone who finds Muhammad وسلم, dead or alive. They don't care now if he's dead or if he's alive. They just want him. They want to find him. So the search begins. And these kuffar of the Quraysh, they knew, they knew that the Prophet was going to head towards Medina. Medina is in the north. So they allocate all of their resources and their search towards the north, looking for the Prophet having no idea that he's actually on the opposite side. He's in the south. So they look and they look and they look. They can't find him. They interrogated Ali radiallahu an, But they couldn't get a word out of him. Abu Bakr's house where his daughters lived, Asma radiallahu anha and Aisha radiallahu anha. Abu Jahl and his cronies and his people, they went to the house of Abu Bakr radiallahu an. And Abu Jahl, he knocked the door. And Asma bint Abi Bakr radiallahu anha, the daughter of Abu Bakr radiallahu she opens the door and Ali and uh, Abu Jahl, he asks Asma, where is your father? Because Abu Jahl knows that the Prophet sallallahu and Abu Bakr are very close. So Abu Jahl asks Asma, where is your father? Abu Jahl thinks if he can find Abu Bakr, he can find Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Asma says, I don't know. I don't know where he is. And Abu Jahl, he gets so angry that he hits Asma. Look at the, look at the disgusting nature of Abu Jahl. He is not a man who has even the slightest bit of honor or character. He hits a young girl like this. She said, I don't know where my father is. And Abu Jahl hits her and she falls to the ground. So Abu Jahl, and his cronies and his people, they enter the house and they search for Abu Bakr and they don't find him there. Then they realize they must have left together. 
Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Abu Bakr, they must be together. This is what they realized. So they continue to search and they have no trace of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and they have no trace of Abu Bakr radiallahu an. And their whole search is towards the direction of Medina. And that's not even the direction that they went. So they look and they look and they look and they failed to find any trace so they start to look now in other directions as well when they couldn't find anything in the direction of medina they start looking at the other parts of mecca as well so finally they reach the south part of mecca in their search as well and when they reached the mountain of thor they climbed it and they reached very close to the cave of Thor where the Prophet and Abu Bakr were inside and there is a narration and this narration is considered weak by some of the muhaddithin and it is considered good by some of the muhaddithin and most of you are aware of the narration of the spider web Ibn Hajar mentioned that this narration is hasan meaning it is good but some of the other ulama, like Sheikh Al-Bani, he said that it is da'if. Anyways, the narration, which has been mentioned in some of the books of Sirah, and it has also been narrated by Imam Ahmad, is that when the kuffar of the Quraysh, when they were near the cave, when they were at the entrance of that cave where the Prophet and Abu Bakr were, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused the spider to make a web at the entrance of that cave. So that when the kuffar of the Quraysh, when they went there, they saw a spider web at the entrance of this cave and they thought to themselves, this looks very old. There's no way that anyone could have entered there. So they didn't bother to actually even look inside. As we mentioned, some of the ulama have said that there is some weakness in this narration. There is a stronger, more authentic narration in Al-Bukhari, where it is mentioned that the kuffar of the Quraysh were at the entrance of the cave where the Prophet and Abu Bakr were inside and they could actually hear Abu Bakr and the Prophet could actually hear these kuffar speaking to each other. That's how close they were. And Abu Bakr he quietly says to Rasulullah Ya Rasulullah, if any of them were even just to look down at the place of their feet, they would see us. And the Prophet replies to him with an amazing reply. He says, Ya Aba Bakr, Ma vannuka bithnaini, Allahu thalithuhuma. Ya Abu Bakr, what do you think of two people whom Allah is the third? We are two people and Allah is with us. Don't worry, nothing is going to happen to us. And this is actually mentioned in the Quran. Idhuma fil ghari, idh yaqulu li sahibihi la tahzan, inna allaha ma'ana. When both of them were in that cave and the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to his sahib, said to his companion, La tahzan, don't worry. Inna allaha ma'ana, surely Allah is with us. Abu Bakr radiallahu an has this distinct honor of being mentioned in the Quran by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the sahib, as the companion of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And no one else has been given this honor to be mentioned like this in the Quran as the sahib of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam except Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. 
So this was the situation. The kuffar of the Quraysh, they couldn't find the Prophet ﷺ or Abu Bakr. And the Prophet ﷺ and Abu Bakr would be provided with food by the daughter of Abu Bakr, Asma bint Abi Bakr. In the night, she would go and she would take food to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and to her father. As for the son of Abu Bakr radiallahu an, Abdullah ibn Abi Bakr, he would go to the gatherings of the Quraysh and listen to their plans and listen to their news. And then at times that nobody would expect, he would go to the cave. He would go to Ghar Thawr and he would inform Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Abu Bakr about the news and the information and the planning of the Quraysh. So the daughter of Abu Bakr, Asma radiallahu anha, she would go and give them food in the night. And the son of Abu Bakr, Abdullah, he would go and give them the news and the information. Look at this family. The family of Abu Bakr radiallahu anha is a family of obedience and sacrifice and love for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And whenever Asma radiallahu anha would go, and whenever Abdullah ibn Abi Bakr radiallahu anhuma, whenever they would go to the cave, Amir ibn Fuhayra, the shepherd, he would follow them with the sheep to make sure that there are no tracks. Look at this beautiful strategic planning that they had and everything went very smoothly. Walhamdulillah. So they stayed in that cave for three days and three nights. They stayed in that cave for three days and three nights until the search lessened. The search was very intense the first day. Then it got a little bit less intense the next day. After three days, they looked all around. They couldn't find. So the, the, search, of the, the, the search that the kuffar had launched to look for the Prophet ﷺ and Abu Bakr, they had gotten tired of it. And the intensity of that search had become much less after three days. So after three days, the Prophet ﷺ and Abu Bakr were ready to start the next part of their journey and that was to leave the cave and actually head towards Al-Madina. During their time in that cave, there is a mention in some of the books of Sirah that Abu Bakr was bitten by a snake. And the Prophet ﷺ was resting. He was sleeping with his head on the lap of Abu Bakr And Abu Bakr was bit by the snake and the pain was so intense, but he didn't even make a sound because he was willing to take that pain rather than to disturb the sleep of the Prophet Just look at these people's love for the Messenger He was willing to withstand immense pain of a snake bite rather than make a noise to wake up the rest of the Prophet Look at how these people favored the Messenger of Allah over themselves. So the pain was so intense but he didn't make a sound but the tears came out of his eyes and he couldn't control that. Tears came out of his eyes and these tears they hit the face of the Prophet who was lying down in his lap. So the Prophet woke up and he asked Abu Bakr what happened and Abu Bakr told him. So the Prophet ﷺ, he made dua for him and he spit with his blessed saliva 
on the place where Abu Bakr was bitten and Abu Bakr was cured by the permission of Allah. So after three days, it was time for the next step of the journey. They left the cave and they started on the journey to Al-Madinat Al-Munawwarah. And insha'Allah, next week we will speak about that journey in detail. Bi-ithnillah, wallahu alam, sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.